You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Justice. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to the program today, and I'm so pleased you've joined me. From time to time, it's reported in the news of someone who has committed a crime getting off with a light sentence. And I've heard some people refer to such sentencing as that the perpetrator was given an all-day sucker and a pat on the back. It certainly does not inspire confidence in the judicial system when felons are given a light sentence. And it does not inspire confidence when those who are responsible for maintaining the law, such as judges, magistrates, police or politicians, who sidestep the law in their own interests. Corruption seems to be part of society, although Australia is regarded as a relatively morally clean country. Recently, my wife and I had a visitor from Brazil stay with us for about two weeks, and the stories he told us about corruption in his home country were hair-raising. But Brazil is only one of many countries around the world where corruption is part of the natural order of things. Government officials, judges, magistrates and police in such countries are practically all on the take and don't just accept bribes, but actually demand them. And those of you who are listening to this program who live in New South Wales may be aware of a magistrate, Dominique Burns, whose name has been referred to the New South Wales Parliament for action to be taken for her dismissal. And I'll share with you part of the report by Georgina Mitchell. And she writes, The former Newcastle family law barrister who was appointed as a magistrate in February 2015 was the subject of a complaint to the Judicial Commission over her handling of 17 different cases in the Port Macquarie circuit between June 2016 and February 2017. The complaint, which progressed to a public hearing last year, alleged Ms Burns misused her detention powers, denied procedural fairness, imposed sentences which exceeded the maximum penalty and improperly encouraged police prosecutors to lay further charges. A comprehensive 123-page report into Mrs Byrne's conduct, prepared with a month of the public hearings last year, details the 16 complaints which were substantiated. They paint a picture of a magistrate who determined sentences in her chambers multiple times, who encouraged police in three cases to take steps to lay further charges, who imposed sentences on four occasions which exceeded the maximum penalty, 
and who misused her detention powers in four other cases. In one case, a certain Mr. I pleaded guilty to a mid-range drink-driving case in February 2017. Magistrate Burns excused herself from the case before he was sentenced. However, on the bench sheet, a document where magistrates record their decisions, she'd already recorded a conviction, giving Mr I the maximum jail sentence before actually hearing the case. Crime groups such as the Mafia, and you know we have Mafia here in Australia, and drug lords are well aware that some judges are vulnerable and they pay huge bribes in order that convictions be squashed or reduced. This is not a pretty topic to talk about because most of us have a sense of right and wrong and we're disgusted when criminals are given light sentences. We're also disgusted when someone who is not guilty is sentenced to a long prison term. And I, for one, feel very uncomfortable when vital evidence, such as in the Azaria Chamberlain case, is withheld. In the investigations into the death of baby Azaria, witnesses at the campground at Uluru had seen dingoes in the campground and around the Chamberlain tent. The Chamberlain's car supposedly had bloodstains under the dash. Later, forensic analysis showed that this blood was nothing but inorganic material installed at the Holden factory when the car was built. In that particular widely reported case, much vital evidence was withheld from the court hearings. Now I share this with you because it reminds me of a parable in the Bible in Luke chapter 18 verses 2 to 8. This parable was told by Jesus to illustrate a point. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Ah! Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust says, and and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then Jesus added, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Although this story has been named the unjust judge, it also has been given the title The Persistent Widow. Back in the times when Jesus told this parable, there was no social service system. There was no child support 
no widow's pension, no public health care, no unemployment benefits, no legal aid and no police. And when a woman lost her husband, she was totally dependent on her children if she had any, or friends and neighbours simply to survive. Without children, a husband or other people willing to support her, she was entirely on her own. If she was in debt, the creditor may well have demanded to seize her property, animals or other possessions. If she was not in debt, an unscrupulous neighbour may have illegally seized or used part of her property, knowing that she had basically no one to stand up for her. But there was the judge whose job it was to determine justice, so she went to him. But without money to bribe the judge, he dismissed her without hearing her case. But she persisted, perhaps waylaying him as he went home in the evenings, perhaps even knocking on his door at his home, perhaps keeping watch out on the streets, should he come along. As far as the judge was concerned, she was a pest, a nuisance, an inconvenience. But she never gave up. She was desperate for help, so she harassed him as much as possible to get him to listen. Eventually, out of sheer frustration and in an effort to get her off his back, he consented to hear her plea and act on it, so she got the justice she deserved. You know, Jesus told this story as an illustration about God. The unjust judge only reacted to the persistence and constant harassing of the widow, nothing else. But Jesus pointed out that God is just and doesn't need to be harangued day and night to give justice. Justice will be served. Down through the ages, Satan has made his dastardly attacks on God's faithful people. Millions have been persecuted, murdered and mistreated. Their appeals to the civil authorities have gone unheard, and practically all of them died because of their determination to be true to their God and faithful to their principles. Will these people ever get justice? Oh yes, God is just, and God cannot be bribed. In Revelation chapter 16, an angel announced, You are just in these judgments, talking about God, you who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged. For they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I, John, heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Revelation chapter 6, 9 to 11 pictures the saints of God killed for their faith 
as being under the altar waiting for their reward. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe and told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed had been completed. There are two groups of people who will get what they deserve. There are the innocent, that is the faithful saints, and the others, the wicked. As expressed in John 3.16, the innocent, the faithful saints, will be given eternal life. The wicked will be eternally destroyed. We're going to stop here and have a little break and I'm going to explain something more from that text straight afterwards.
might be somebody who's troubled about the sin and wickedness around you and some of the people who do that. And you might be wondering, well, when will these people be given their justice? When will those who are faithful be given justice? And in those last texts I read to you, there was a mention of time. The question was, how long before you judge the earth? and avenge our blood or our deaths. That was the cry. The point when God will give his people eternal life is at the return of Jesus. and That's when the living and dead saints will be given immortality. And why don't you read this for yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That chapter again, 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, Chapter 15. Maybe you are dealing particularly and asking, Oh Lord, when will this horrible situation affecting me be resolved? When will I get justice? God does answer your prayers, but he knows best in both how and when. You place your request before him. That's your part in obtaining justice. You must leave the rest up to God. In my own life, I've had some of my prayers answered almost instantly. Others, I've waited and waited for many years to be answered. And for some requests, I'm still waiting. And here's where the parable of the persistent widow finds its application. Never give up. God is not deaf. Deaf. God is not disabled or weak that he can't help. He will help when the time and circumstance is right. Perhaps you may never get the answer that you're looking for. That cancer may not be cured. That wayward child may not turn back to the Lord. That abusive situation may not be resolved. The point is, you must continue to place your requests before the Lord, just like the widow in the parable. Just as the righteous receive their reward for being faithful, I want to share a short story of someone who was rewarded for his honesty. Now, Sarah Darling of Kansas City, Missouri, dropped some change in a homeless man's cup. He was begging for money. Sarah didn't realise her engagement ring fell in too. When Billy Ray Harris, the man holding the cup, found the ring later, he got it appraised and was offered 4000 for it on the spot. Instead of selling it, though, he saved it for his rightful owner, Sarah, who came back the next day. To thank Billy Ray Harris, Sarah and her husband 
set up a crowdfunding page to raise $1,000 for him. But donors went above and beyond giving more than $190,000 to Harris. The money helped him make a deposit on a house and buy a car, and the media attention helped him reunite with his family who hadn't seen him for 16 years. Because Billy Harris did what was right, he was rewarded far beyond his wildest dreams. Now, on the other side of the coin, here's a true story about someone who was punished for doing what was wrong. A lady writes, My friend and I were driving and we're behind a guy on a motorcycle. All of us come to a four-way intersection. At these intersections, the first to arrive has the right of way to cross the intersection first. Already sitting at the stop sign at the intersection is another car. That driver had the right to cross first. So, she said, we slow down and expect the biker to as well, because it's a four-way stop. The biker decides he's going to ignore the stop sign and keep going. But the car that was already there first had pulled out and had begun to drive across the intersection. So the biker slams on his brakes in time and the car comes to a stop just a little past the biker. The biker is angry and reaches out and thumps the back of the car with his fist. <laughs> but then blue lights flick on. The car was an unmarked police car. And the lady who wrote this story said, We enjoyed what happened to the biker because of his wrong decisions. When Jesus was crucified, two thieves were crucified with him, one on either side, Jesus in the middle. One of the thieves mocked Jesus and said, Ah, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And if you want to read that, it's at Luke 23, verses 39 through to 41. Jesus was innocent of any sin. He lived an exemplary life, doing good everywhere, without expecting any favours. Does he get any reward? Oh, yes. He has the satisfaction of seeing many people saved, people for whom he gave his life, people who want to be with him for eternity. And I don't mind you knowing that I have the hope and assurance that if I remain faithful, I will be one of those people. And my friends, I hope you want to be one of the saved as well. In the Old Testament book of Micah is a beautiful verse about justice. It's from Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 and it says, God has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. It is to do justly and to love mercy 
and to walk humbly with your God. Not only should we have a desire to receive justice, but we as Christians should give justice. And what does that mean? Well, it means to forgive someone even if they don't ask for it. It means being honest and fair in our financial and business dealings. It means treating other people as we expect others to treat us. It means obeying God and conforming to his will. It means to love others and treat them with respect. It means to be able to live with yourself without shame. As God is just, so should we be. The point of this program is bound up in that last statement. As God is just, so should we be. And some of you might be wondering, I am looking for justice. When will I get what I should receive. You know, some of us are going to have to wait until the time when Jesus comes, where we will be given eternal life. Those who've done evil will be given eternal death. As God is just, so should we be. Yes? Well, we've reached the end of today's program. And I look forward to having your company next time. And may God bless you richly.